here this evening and, and to be able to preach and, and to bring a message. But uh, before I get started, when I was, uh, just while we were worshipping, something really occurred to me that uh, hadn't ever occurred to me, and yet it seemed like such a simple thing. Often, I'm, if I'm totally truthful, I'm distracted during worship. Uh, not often, but there are times where I am. I, I, I'm often, I say often, occasionally, I now do sound. It's sort of like when there's maybe a family emergency or something like that, I'm, I may be doing sound. And uh, when I'm doing sound, I'm, I'm often sort of thinking about the worship and I'm thinking, you know, is it, is it, have I mixed it right? And I'm thinking, yes, yes, oh, this is good, this is great. They go, no, change it, change it, change it. And, uh, and, and that's sort of how I go. And, and then there's other times I have uh, three little children. I have two that can move. And uh, they're the ones that cause the headaches. And uh, when we're worshipping, it's like I'm watching them and I'm, I'm generally thinking to myself, no, 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 stop singing those words. There shouldn't be human excrement in worship songs. Get that out of there. Or I'm thinking to myself, no, don't worship like that. You shouldn't hurt your sister when you're dancing, you know, and that sort of stuff. So I'm often distracted. But this evening, uh, I was just worshipping. I was just praising God. And I was just thinking, you know what? There aren't any sad worship songs. There aren't any sad worship songs. They're all happy. They're all so happy. We were singing songs of sun coming through clouds and black and white being turned to color. And I was like, this is really uplifting. This is great stuff. Even the slow ones are happy. Even the slow ones are happy. You'd think a slow one would be sad, but actually the slow ones, they actually turn into fast ones and they're happy as well. That's amazing. Does that ever occurred to anyone? It just occurred to me. It's like, why is that? Why is it that it doesn't matter what we come into, into the house and what we sing? It's always happy. It's always uplifting. It's never sad. And kind of the, the, what we're, we're preaching about over this session is, it's blessed is better. Mm. Blessed is better. Why wouldn't we be singing happy songs when we are blessed? We are blessed people. We live blessed lives because God has ordained it. Because God has rescued us from wretchedness and shame. And he has put a blessing upon our lives. And so as a result, when we sing, what comes out of us is happiness. It is joy. It is just gratefulness to God. It's awesome to be in a house. That just occurred to me. There are no sad songs in in the church. It's brilliant. I love it. (laughs) Well... As I said, today I'm going to be uh, speaking on uh, from the be- blessed is I want to say blessed is best because it rhymes, but blessed is better series, and uh, we've been reading from uh, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 28, and uh, we're quite far through. I think there's uh, this uh, this message, and then we've got a couple next week, and that's that's it finished. And uh, so I, I, what I want to speak about is is in a little bit more. Uh, than, than just maybe our own personal perspective on this Blessed is Better series. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be speaking from verse 11, and I'll, I'll read that out uh, in a little bit. But the, today's church, the church that we're in today, is, is a descendant of the people of Israel. Yes. You know, the people of Israel were the people of promise. It's people that God, when, when God spoke out those promises, it was for the people of Israel. And that has been carried on to us. There's a direct lineage to that. We come from that. The promises that he speaks to the nation of Israel are the ones that he speaks to us. That's why we're reading them. That's why we're going through them. Because these apply to our lives. And this is what God was speaking out over the nation. Because they were the people of promise. And we are the people of promise. That same blessing sits upon us. And so tonight, I want to speak about the blessed is better from from that corporate perspective, when God was speaking, he was speaking to a nation. 
He was speaking to people because people could read it and understand it for themselves. But he was also speaking to a nation. And I want to speak to us as a church. And although some of what I say will hopefully challenge you and, 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 and speak to you personally, but within the context of the church, within the context of how am I challenged in response to the church, into my relationship with the church and my relationship to God. And so that's what I want to speak about tonight. So I'm going to read from Deuteronomy but because I said I'm verse 11 that's quite far through it I'm just going to I'm actually going to read verse 4 and I'm going to read verse 11 ironically I I preached at the beginning of January and I preached on verse 4 and I'm now preaching on verse 11 and in a second you'll see why that's funny Uh, so verse 4 from Deuteronomy uh, 28 verse 4 says your children and your crops will be blessed the offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed that's an awesome thing. God is talking there about everything in your life, your produce of your life, your children, your the crops, the, the, the ways in which you make money. They would all be blessed. In verse 28, verse 11, this is what I want to speak on tonight. It says, the Lord will give your... Will, sorry, I'll start that again. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you, blessing you, blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, and abundant crops. And I thought that was quite funny because that's actually very similar to what he says in verse 4. And of the two verses I could be preaching on, I was preaching on those two. I, I don't know if Kevin meant it that way and he was messing with me. See how hard he can make it. But you know what? I'm blessed that I get to speak on that. Because the thing is, God repeated those verses. God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't forget what he said in verse 4 and repeat it in verse 11. There's a purpose to what God says. You see, God repeated them because he would repeat those blessings and he would multiply those blessings. In fact, when he says in verse 11, he talks about many children, numerous livestock, abundant crops. He's talking about the abundance. He's talking about a multiplication, a repeat of that blessing. It means a lot. And when we read it and when we understand it, we realize that God is serious about these things. And we are blessed. We are blessed when we, when we allow God to, to speak upon those things and, and to move upon our lives and allow those blessings to be something that he is repeating, is repeating, is removing and is in placing and putting new things in and taking old things out. And, and that's what God wants to do. When we were speaking, when I was reading this, when I was reading that, that verse and I was reading about the, uh, the, the many children and the, the numerous crops and, and the prosperity, it actually threw my mind back to uh, something that happened to me or something I was at about uh, four or five years ago. Uh, back in 2010, my wife Laura and I, we uh, led the young adults group uh, here in this church. And we used to, every year, we would go down to a young adults conference down in Brighton every single year. Uh, and in 2010, that would have been the second year they were running it. Uh, and they had a speaker there, uh, an Australian pastor, a guy called uh, Pastor Dave Connett. And he was a, sort of a, a relatively young guy. I think he was in his 30s. And he was really funny and, and just full of just great inspiration. And uh, I just remember being so blessed by the time that we had with him. Uh, but on the very last night, he, uh, he turned up and he, and he was going to bring his message. And, and he had this T-shirt on. And a T-shirt on. And these three uh, letters on the front. Oh, you're laughing. Good. <laughs> it had these three letters, S, M, P on the front. And he told us that this was a, a clothing brand from Australia, a, a well-known clothing brand. Is anyone, uh, was anyone there at that time? Can I just see it? Does anyone know what SMP stands for? 
Yeah, do you want to say what it stands for? Do you want me to say what it stands for? Absolutely, man. I'll repeat it. Don't worry. Uh, sex, money, power. It stands for sex, money, power. And he wore that T-shirt to, uh, to when, when he was preaching. And what he said, actually, more than that was, he didn't just wear it there when he was preaching. He actually wore that very same T-shirt when he got ordained as a pastor. <laughs> And one of, the, one of the guys who was getting ordained with him said, because everyone in Australia obviously knows what SMP stands for. He's like, you can't, Dave, you can't, you can't wear that on, on stage. That's, that's irreverent. It's the unholy trinity. <laughs> and he said, Absol- you've got it absolutely wrong, mate. You've got it absolutely wrong. Because the thing is this, if I do not have those elements in my life under control, if I am not able to manage those elements in my life, then my ministry is doomed to fail that I will not have success. If I cannot keep control of these things, if I cannot be responsible with these things in my life, then I am doomed to failure. I will not have success. So I am going in there saying, I'm a man who holds these things. I know that God gave me them. I'm going to stand with authority and know that God has given me them and has given me everything I need to be able to handle them. And so I want to speak today from a church perspective. So, you know, we, God has given us, he's given, in that verse it talks about those very same elements, sex, money, power. And as a church, we need to be able to know how to steward those things, how to handle those things each responsibly. Because when we, when we have, when we are entrusted with, with, with something from God, he wants to see how we'll do it. And when we do it, when we act responsibly, when we steward that thing, he's able to give us more. He's able to build and he's able to grow. You think about the, uh, the parable of the three talents. And, and, and the master gave the talents to his servants. And it was the servant who was able to bring back, that was able to steward. And, to, and not just sort of be afraid of what God or what the, the master had given him, but to be able to handle it and to wield it and to bring back more. He was the one who was blessed. He was the one who was given more and entrusted with more. So I want to go through these things, but I'm going to go through them in reverse order. And so I want to talk first about power. In the, Bible, in the verse there, it says, The Lord will give you prosperity. The Lord will give you prosperity. What is prosperity? Prosperity is power. Well, why is it power? How is it power? Well, in in those times, when you were a prosperous nation, when Israel, being a prosperous nation, they would lend to other nations. They would lend to other nations. And that would give them influence. And it would give them sovereignty. It would give them an ascendancy. They would not be beneath, but they would be above. Because they had lent. Because they had given. Because that that, that nation was now under obligation to them. And they received honor. We look at uh, probably the most famous example of this in the Bible is, is Solomon. And Solomon, he was, he was given tributes, tributes of honor from other nations. It says in 1 Kings 4 verse 21, it says, Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the Euphrates River in the north to the land of the Philistines and the border of Egypt in the south. The conquered peoples of those lands sent tribute money to Solomon and continued to serve him throughout his lifetime. He held substantial power. He held substantial power with what God had given him. He was the wisest man in the world. He knew everything about everything and he, and he had great wealth and with that he lent to other countries and, and he conquered them. But If you go on to verse 24 of that same scripture or that same passage, it says Solomon's dominion extended uh, over all the kingdoms west of the Euphrates River from Tifsa to Gaza. 
And there was peace on all his borders. There was peace on all his borders. What does that, what does that tell me? It means that the, the power that he weld, wielded brought security. Because an oppressed people push back. If, they're oppre- if a people is oppressed, if they've been conquered and held down against their will, they're going to push back. They're going to they're fight against that. They are not going to be comfortable. It says throughout his reign there was peace on all his borders. There was no pushing back. Because his, re- his reign was marked by that peace. The, and, and we're talking about a part of the world that before that and since that has not known peace. We're talking about a part of the world that has not known peace, but yet during his reign, when he was powerful, when he wielded that power, he brought security to that part of the world. He used that. And why did he bring security? Because he used that power to increase everyone that he was connected with. He increased them. He He didn't diminish them. He didn't push them down. He didn't oppress them, but he built them up. He used his power to build And it is, it is a blessing to have the freedom to, to help someone, to give. It is a blessing to be able to give resources that exceed our own need. That's what we're talking about. That's what power is. It's to have resources beyond what you need. To have resources that overflow into the needs of others. As a church, we want to be able to meet the needs of others. We want to be able to meet the needs of others. That's why we're here. And, I, and when I say that, I also think we're not looking to, to do things by the rules, by the regulations, by the vote of the populace to have to negotiate. We're not looking to, to win any popularity votes. We want to meet need. Meet need in this city. There are needs in this city that need to be met. There are people that have needs. And as a church, we want to have the resources that we don't need to run. We don't need to rely on, on the grants and the handouts or any of that stuff. That we would just have the power to see a situation and say, we are going to do something about that. Yeah. We are going to move in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. That is power. I think about uh, Sir John Wood, uh, who uh, like I think it was a year ago, said, I want to give £50 million to the Union Gardens project. But you have to do it this way. This way is the best way. I'll give the money for that. And that was, that was it. There was no negotiation. There was no sort of anything whatsoever. It's like, I'm going to give it to this. And if you don't want to do this, that's absolutely fine. But this is what I want to do. This is what I want to give. This is what I want to sow into. And he didn't negotiate. Why did he not negotiate? Because he had the power to stand and say, you know what? I'm not reliant on the circumstances working in a particular way. I just want to bless in a situation. I just want to build. I just want to increase. And I'm not worried about anyone else's agenda. As a church, when we use what God's given us, be it our house, to invite people into, to, to feed them, to, to love them, to, to let them know there's a place where they can be secure, be it our, our talent, your talent, be, that, that, that is something you can bring and you can, you can bless people with. You can bless people with, with the talent of your life, whether, whether you're like a teacher, people who have the ability to teach, to come in and, and, and to teach the, the young and the old, just the, the things of God, whether you have that ability within your life to be able to bring that in and to just sow it, irregardless of, of, of need of any, any sort of payment or, or any response, just to be able to give, to be able to give, to be able to give. Whatever your platform is, whatever your platform is, to be able to give without any need for anything back. See, you create avenues and influence and change what's around you when you use your power. That's what power, that's as power as God means it is to create those avenues, 
to create those, those ways to be able to move in a situation, to be able to bring God into a situation. The power to serve others. The power to build up other people. Instead of being the need, being able to satisfy the need. You know, legally speaking, as a church, in a, in a legal definition, we are defined as a, as, as, as a charity. But a charity is, is there to collect for the needy, to be, able to, to be able to give to the needy. But a foundation, a foundation is able to build a new world. And that's what, as a church, we stand. We want to create a foundation. We build a new world. We are building. We're influencing. We are cultural architects. That we are not standby spectators of the world that we live in. But we are able to move and change the world in which we live. The next thing, money. And in, this, and in the verse, it, it sort of comes through in terms of agriculture. It says in the verse, it says, numerous livestock and abundant crops. What you have to understand is in Canaan, the, the, uh, the Israelite people, you had a pastoral people within that, uh, the Levites. And they were a pastoral people, but they were supported through the work of the land of, of, of the other tribes. The other tribes would come and they would, they would work and they would support the, uh, the Levites. They would support the pastoral people who lived there. And what we notice is that there is an, uh, during that time there was an abundance on both sides. It wasn't that, that one was meeting the lack of the other. It, it was that there was abundance in every side. Those who gave were abundant. They have loads. And the ones who received had loads as well because, because God has a system where everyone gets blessed. See, the conditions of the country fostered faith. The conditions of the country, the, the, the ideal within that country was, was something that fostered faith and success was the outcome of that constant dependency. It was, there was success in everything because there was a dependency upon God, because there was an understanding that it was God who was at the beginning of this. It, it says in Proverbs 10 verse 22, it says, the blessings of the Lord give we- uh, brings wealth without pain painful toil for it i'll read that again the blessings of the lord brings wealth without painful toil for it see blessings the blessings of nature the blessings of nature were the gift and reward of a faithful god that's why they abounded because there was a faithfulness in them and god was faithful in return and nature was blessed and there was a gift that came forth but i often think that that we view money in view finances in, in much narrower lines. We, we don't look... That, that, that was the conditions of the land in which they lived. And that was a very special circumstances. And, and we probably don't live in those circumstances in, in, in a sort of a national sense. We see money very much as we either give it or we receive it. Very much these narrow lines. And why is that? It's because essentially when we get down to it, we all think like earners. We're all earners. Now, and we, we bring that into more than finances. When it comes to God, you know, we know that we live and we are blessed by the grace of his outpouring. But we still, at times, find ourselves wanting to earn a little bit. Like, we'll, we say, well, you know, God, you have been gracious and you have shown me great love. But, but I'm still very good. You know, we want to earn a little bit. We want to know that we've earned our way a little bit. Because there's something in our mindset that, that, that makes us want to be earners. We want to earn it. And the same thing with finance. It's like we want to feel like we've earned it. But God's 
relationship with finances is much more non-linear. It's, it's, it doesn't follow these very narrow lines that we think about. When we think about risk and reward, God thinks about sowing and reaping, which is a completely different type of dynamic. It says in Matthew 13 verse 8, it says, and this, was, this is a, the very end of the parable of the sower. Uh, and you can go back and read all of it if you've never heard it before. But it's a very famous parable. And at the very end it says, Still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60 and even 100 times as much as had been planted. See, the, pl- the, the sower, he planted and, and what came out was vastly disproportionate from what he'd sown. That, that the, the increase was exponential. He had, for every seed, there was a hundred seeds that he got back. There was something much greater because he lived because there was a principle of sowing and reaping. If somebody laid on odds of a hundred to one, that would be a long shot. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about God's plan for finance, God's reason and God's way in which he moves over our finances, moves through our money, uses it and, and, and doesn't look at it in the straightforward, earn, receive, give, take that we so often think about. See, God's plan is simple. We resource his house and he expands ours. We resource his house and he expands ours. And, and throughout this whole sort of blessed is better Series and, and particularly during the uh, uh, f- uh, First Fruits Sunday that we had, something about money and finance sort of clicked for me. And I think it clicked when I sort of was doing this message and a few things fell into place. And it, and it was almost so simple that uh, it's almost like, why did it not occur to me earlier? But faith, faith in what you do, you have faith in what you do with the seed, not with the crop. What I mean by that is, you have faith in that seed. When you give, you give of a seed. When you give out of the crop, your thinking, your mentality is, I'm dividing what I already have. I'm dividing this crop and I'm going to give some of it to God. And it's like a thank you to God for giving me this crop. And that's great. To give to God under any circumstances is awesome. That is a good thing to do. But... The faith and the blessing comes not when you think about dividing what you already have, but it's when you think about what you give as a seed. What you give is being something that can grow into more. And not into more necessarily even for yourself, but into more into the circumstance in which you give it. Sometimes people think, well, I'm only giving this much. You know, how is that going to make a difference? But it's a seed. It's a seed. It's not the finished product. God can take that and he can do more things than we could ever imagine. Imagine, Because that's God's power. That's God's grace. That's God's amazing nature. That when we think about whatever we give as a seed and not as the division of a crop, then we can see multiplication. Then we can see exponential growth. See, the more we increase, the greater the church grows. The more the church grows, the greater its influence and power. Which kind of takes me on to the next point. So before you have power... You must have money. But before you have money, you must have population. (laughs) Why are you laughing? (laughs) Says, blessing you with many children. (laughs) Blessing you with many children. That's what the verse says. Blessing you with many children. Numbers 
are important to national power. Numbers are important to national power. If we look at Exodus verse one, no, chapter 1, verse 6 to 9, it says, In time, Joseph and all his brothers died, ending the entire generation. But their descendants, the Israelites, had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so greatly, they became extremely powerful and filled the land. Eventually, a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. He said to his people, look, the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. You see, the, Israel, uh, the nation of Israel started as a hum- humble family. Just started as a family, but, but Pharaoh enslaved them because they'd grown into a strong nation. You know, 11 brothers and two grandsons turned into 13 tribes. 13 tribes, to the point where this little family that lived in a little far-flung corner of Egypt became, they outnumbered the Egyptians. Or certainly they were perceived to outnumber them and were strong. There was something about their numbers that made them strong. And that growth can only be, that growth, when you think about it, was supernatural. It had to be supernatural because they overtook an entire nation. From a family, they overtook an entire nation. And Egypt was a powerful nation. It's not like they were some you know, leftover nation. They were a powerful nation. And they'd overtaken them to the point that a family had grown into a nation that was feared. It's incredible. You think about the, the nations in... Uh, in Europe, the powerful nations in Europe, uh, Germany and France, you think about the, the internationally, uh, China and America, they have great population, but there's more to it than that. There's more to it than just having a large population. See, population advancement under growing prosperity secures the elements of a great nation. It secures the elements of a great nation. When you have a large population and you have great and, and the management of great prosperity when you bring those things together that's when you have a great nation that's when you have a powerful nation and it testifies to security you think about those nations that I, that I talked about those are the nations that are bailing out the other nations they're the nations where there is security found where, where GDPs are, are broken or are, are, are born or whatever where there's bears and bulls and all the other stock market crashes. Those are the nations that make big difference because they know how to handle what they have. And it testifies to security. It testifies to a secure nation, a secure place. And what does a secure nation, what is a secure nation able to do? It's able to, it has the power to disperse an invasion. It's able to disperse anything that comes against them. In the Bible, actually earlier on in, uh, in that same uh, Deuteronomy 28, it talks about the, en- the enemy will invade one way, but it will disperse by seven. Why seven? Seven actually means a perfect defeat. When, when the enemy disperses in seven directions, what God is saying is that enemy is thoroughly and completely beaten. There was an enemy that is now destroyed. And that is the invincibility to defend your home, to, be a, to, be a, to have a place where your land and you keep it secure, you keep it from, from any invasion, that your home is your secure place. And why is that important for population? Because families grow at home. Families grow in a home. Families grow in a secure home. Families, good families, strong families, families that, that have power, 
They grow in a strong home. Disciples reproducing other disciples. That's it, population through reproduction. We're looking at uh, disciples that are able to take what God has put within them and plant it into someone else. To look and, and to make that introduction, to take someone and introduce them to God. Introduce them to who God is and what God is about. See, that is ultimately the single point focus of our whole walk as Christians. And if you go away with nothing else that I speak about tonight, this is what I want you to know. Is that, that our job, our purpose as Christians is to make that introduction. That is absolutely why we are here. That is what God created us for. That is what the good news is. That's what Jesus planted with and mandated within the church. Is that good news of who Jesus is, of what Jesus did for us in our lives. Of what Jesus' purpose, of his sacrifice how he, how he paid that price of sin. How he paid that price of guilt and shame. How he took that away from us and made us new and made us secure and made us powerful. That is who God is and that is the good news and that is the message that as Christians we carry with us. And that is the message that needs to be reproduced. That is what a disciple has in their heart and reproduces in other disciples. Everything Everything in church blossoms from that purpose. Everything blossoms from that. Everything, every item of advancement is underpinned by that doctrine that the good news is something that we spread. It's something that we take in our hearts and we give it to the people around us. That we make that introduction to Christ. People is what church is for and about. That is what church was made for. It's for people, to bring people in, to make them secure. When we stand together, we stand tall, we stand bold, we stand united. And when you do that, you are visible. You become highly visible, but you are resilient. See, God, God when, he, when he puts your head above the parapet, when he takes a church, a mighty church with a voice in a nation, and he puts that head above the parapet, that that, that church has a body that can support it. A body, a population that is able to support it. A body of disciples that stand behind that head and stand and know that just whatever they're doing, they do it together and as one. They stand united. God pl- won't place your head above the parapet unless you have a body behind you that can support it. Because your head will get knocked off. <laughs> We are. The, the Bible talks about the churches as being a city on a hill. And a city on a hill is visible and it attracts the lost. It brings the lost in. It also invites attack. But that city that welcomes the lost stands together and is brave enough to stand up there. And it pushes away the enemy. It stands up to the attack. It stands up to any intimidation. And it contains and it protects the lost and the weak. And makes them disciples. If I could get someone on keys, that would be great. See, the blessings of God, the blessings of God testify to his greatness. They testify to his greatness. Every single one of these things, when he talks about great population and, and great finance and, 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 and great power, these are things that stand out, stand out and are visible and are seen by all. They stand as testament to who Christ is and to what God can do and to the power of his blessings. Everything, everything that he does 
for us. Every, every single one of those blessings has a purpose. An underlying purpose to build his kingdom. He wants to build our lives. He wants to, to build the land that we have to make us prosperous. For the very sole reason that it would build his kingdom. That we would have a mindset that we are building his kingdom. We're part of his kingdom. We are sons and daughters in his kingdom. And we want to see that built. We reproduce and gather resources. And through that we're able to change the world. Then, when the world is changed even just a little bit. Even when the world has changed just a little bit. The climate has changed enough that more people are reproduced. More people are brought in. More people are redeemed. More people's hearts are set free and released. And loosed. And we are able to gather more and create even greater change. See, I talk about a church that is filled with contributors and benefactors. And we all stand together as one who would contribute. But we all benefit at the same time. We all benefit greatly. We live in these promises. And these promises have the dual purpose of building the kingdom of God and building our lives within that. That is the covering that sits upon it all. God has a plan and purpose for every single one of us. That plan and purpose sits within the framework of growing his church, of growing his kingdom. That more people, that the people in this world, the people in our neighborhoods, the people in our city would know who God is. That they would see a church that is strong and is powerful and is influential and isn't afraid to speak. And they would see that and they would be drawn to it. If everyone could stand on their feet right now, that would be awesome. When we stand together, when we draw our faith together, when we pull our faith together, we create something powerful, something united, something resilient, something that is seen. The city on the hill.